The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of the Heat Check, yes sir, it's a Sunday night. And it is preview time, previewing every team in the NBA by division, starting with, oh yeah, the Rolls Royce, the Golden Goose, the Jordan number one type of division, that's the Pacific division, the big boys, Kings, Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, and Suns. So many damn stars in this division, and it's likely all five teams are going to make the playoffs this year. So, also... We have a great interview with CBS Sports Radio and NBA insider Bill Ryder. Oh, man, folks. The NBA season is just right around the corner. We already got preseason games. So come on, William. Do me a favor and drop that generic-ass beat that should be Rihanna. We're breaking down all the biggest NBA storylines. You're tuned in to The Heat Check. The Heat Check with Trista Crick. The best podcast covering all the drama around the association. NBA camp is underway, folks, so it's about that time. Time to preview the NBA divisions for the new season. There's a lot that's happened so far in the offseason. Obviously, the Damian Lillard thing was overwhelming. <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty much what we all thought about all offseason, that in Harden. And so a lot of the players who have moved teams, I bet you forgot Bradley Beal was even on the Suns. Right? Happened so long ago. I bet you didn't even remember that Eric Gordon is on the Suns. So let's preview the division and get into it because I'm sure there are some things that you need to remember. We will not miss any of the news. You know that we're not going to miss any of the tea. So I wanted to make sure, though, while it's still the quiet season, that maybe we get everybody up to speed for every damn team. We start out. With the Pacific Division, they have five teams, all of which you can make a very serious argument could win the title this year if the right things happen, right? If the right, right, right things happen for the team. But we got to start with uh, the team that I affectionately call our dubs. Long time, everyone knows, long time, lifelong Warriors fan. That's me. So we got to start there. Got to give the the kings of the hill their props. Yeah, I know. They didn't even get to the Western Conference Finals last year, but that is not. There was a lot happening around the team, you know what I'm saying? The whole Draymond punch fucked up the vibe. Anyway, Golden State Warriors, their win total is sitting there at 48.5 wins, which means that Vegas thinks they're going to win be somewhere between 48 and 50. Will they? Let's get into it. The new additions, Chris Paul, Brandon Pojasemski, 
Pojasemski. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Dario Saric, Rudy Gay, Usman Garuba. That's a sneaky one. Remember, he was a first-round pick. Rodney Magruder, who has beef currently, probably, still with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. Remember, Clay called him, I think he called him a bitch or something, like a couple of years ago, made NBA TV. Everybody's like, ooh, Clay's a savage. Ooh, Clay, 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 Clay. And then uh, Draymond got on national TV and said something else mean about him. But he's on the team. Corey Joseph from the Detroit Pistons, also on the team. Sneaky pickup. Out is Jordan Poole. Out is Dante DiVincenzo, Andre Iguod, Igwe, give me Iguodala, and James, James, I got taken second overall, and no one knows why, Uh <laughs> The Warriors started out last season, it was just a mess. Was, who has the tape? Who leaked it? Why did Jordan Poole get hit in the face? What did he say to Draymond? Apparently, the new leaks coming out are that he uh, said that Draymond Green was Steph Curry's overpriced backpack, which I heard it was actually even worse than that. Uh, the puncher ends up getting a $100 million extension for all the trouble. doesn't get suspended for all the trouble that he caused. And Jordan Poole, the guy who got assaulted, ends up in, in Washington, D.C. on one of the most dysfunctional franchises in the NBA. Seems fair. Seems fair, right? Uh... That's Siberia, folks. Rough break for Jordan Poole, but at least he's got Kuzma uh, to show him off in Chocolate City, a little nightclub action, show him where all the fashion is, see what's popping off on U Street. And I tell you, the block is hot. I know it from personal experience. The block is hot on U Street 24-7. The big addition, of course, is Chris Paul, the point god, CP3. The same guy that I said might be a big issue for the Suns is now on the Warriors. Why? Why did I say he might be a big issue? Uh, Let me recap what I said after the trade went down. Chris Paul averaged 12, 5, and 7 in the playoffs, which was was off his 2022-2023 season average of 14, 4, and 9. So that's obviously, in itself, the least productive number in his entire 17-year career. Even in Chris Paul's rookie year, he averaged 16-5-8, and and that was his worst statistical season until last year. And remember this, uh, Chris Paul's final game as a Phoenix Sun, he was a minus 39. And I think he's 39 years old. So, sweet justice, he missed 23 regular season games last year. Yep. 39 years old. Yep, we did a little math school. Uh, What exactly Golden State expects from this slow, undersized point guard who could probably give you 22 minutes, 58, 60 games? And then, of course, we know about the playoffs, what he's going to do there, which is not a lot. Apparently, Steph thinks the world of Chris Paul because they've been playing pickup according to Steph all summer to help them prep for the season. I know this, though. The one thing I will say that's a positive is I saw Chris Paul get like just throw an absolute dime backdoor to Klay Thompson. He did not even expect, because he's probably never seen it in his pro career from a teammate. Uh, the Warriors team obviously had has some issues. It's not just chemistry. Staying healthy is going to be the biggest one. And it's not Chris Paul only. 
uh, and his, uh, what was that, Chris Paul's sil- secret juice, secret stuff. But Clay Thompson as well, he needs the secret stuff of him himself because he is on the back end of his career with an ACL and an Achilles tear uh, that happened not too long ago. Steph, of course, always has to be healthy. When he's not healthy, the team is a lottery team, and especially Draymond Green, who's, by the way, checks notes, already hurt. <clears throat> already hurt. Yep. Our dubs little ankle injury for our dubs. Um, in addition, the team needs to learn how to win on the road uh, again because they were an absolute disa- disaster away from the Chase Center. I do think the biggest issue is probably depth. They brought in a 17-year vet. Let me say that again. They brought in a, a 17-year vet, not 17-year-old, a 17-year vet in Rudy Gay and a journeyman, Rodney Magruder, Dario Saric, and 12-year pro Corey Joseph. They were like, remember when we said we were going to do the whole two-timeline thing? We are. But the the timeline we're going uh, is back, back into time. We're only taking guys that have been in the league 15 years and longer. 12 if you're really good. There's still Kaminga and Moody, the babies of the crew, although Kaminga... All offseason was rumored to want to trade. Was not happy with his usage in the playoffs. Not exactly a super deep bench. But, listen, our dubs, always contenders, as long as they have Steph Curry, Kavon Looney, and a very healthy, uh, very productive Draymond Green. They have Klay Thompson, who's now playing power forward full-time, and who many people say is washed but did lead the NBA somehow with 301 made three-pointers last year. They also ha- have the unsung hero, which I just referenced. I'm talking about Kevon Looney. Tough, durable, on- on-court IQ is out of this world. He's one of the most effective rebounders in the league. Steve Kerr had many glowing things to say about Kevon in the playoffs, but this one stuck out. He said, I think Loon is one of the best centers in the league. I really do. People don't recognize it because he's not dunking, shooting threes, and all that stuff, but the guy is a flat-out winner. He's a machine. We wouldn't be here without him. That's facts. They wouldn't have gotten out of the first round without Kevon Looney last year. I know it. I saw it, and he was effective. Golden State is going to be at least a regular season force this year because in the Steph era, they usually are. I'm not sure that this team is any better than last year when they won 44 games. I see them about the same this year. I could see them very easily being a playing team, or I could see them being a five or six seed. This is going to be one of those things that comes down to the wire. As an aside, maybe the biggest loss of the offseason was Bob Myers, their longtime GM, the architect of the dynasty. When this team needs help, it's always been able to find a rabbit out of the hat because of Bob Myers. What is my man Mike Dunleavy Jr. going to do to fill his shoes. Big shout out to Mike Dunleavy Jr. You have made it in life. You are a Portland legend. One thing is for sure, of course, the Warriors are going to be very fun to watch. I am not sure our dubs are, uh, I can't actually say, it's Dynasty, baby, we're back. Can't mush us. Let's move on to the LA Clippers. Their win total sitting there at 46 and a half by Vegas. This is who they've added. KJ Martin. They have re-signed Russell Westbrook. They got Josh, I don't wear underwear, Primo, Xavier Moon, and Jordan Miller out of Miami. They lost Eric Gordon. But let's be real, this team's just 
hasn't made that many moves. They've been looking and trying and waiting to scoop up James Harden for a discount, and that has not happened yet. But let's be real. No team has more questions coming into this season, and no team has done less to address their issues than the L.A. Clippers. That is why the Clippers are my team of this division. I, ah, I want to believe. I want to. But they are in desperate need of a real point guard and are currently holding up the Philadelphia 76ers kind of at gunpoint for James Harden. You will take this one first-round pick, and you will like it. They're offering Marcus Morris, Rob Covington. Oh, my God, Rocco. A first-round pick and a swap. Daryl Morey is like, bitch, please. I do not want Rocco. Are you fucking serious? No, I want Terrence Mann, baby. The versatile six-seven long wingspan, can play point guard, play, can play small ball five. And the Clippers are like, no, we don't have a lot of young assets, so we kind of don't really want to give them up. So that's where we're at on the trade, even though Woj uh, says are dis- they are disinclined to up their offer because there is no other offer. We know that. Everyone knows that. Any NBA fan knows there are no other offers for James Harden. They did bring in a couple of young players of interest. K.J. Martin played the right way when he played for the Houston Rockets. He's Kenyon Martin's son. Uh, Kenyon Martin lives in L.A. This is going to be an amazing fit, I think, for him. A new start for his career. He gets out from under what was clearly a very dysfunctional organization until Ime Udoka came in. He probably is going to carve himself out a nice little role. They signed. Josh Primo on a two-way contract because, let's be honest, they're not giving him anything more than that after what he's been accused of doing. But the player, Josh Primo, outside of all the semantics involved, is a fine fine young player. Clippers loved him. I remember talking to Jerry West about Josh Primo right after the draft. Two summers ago, he loved him. They wanted to pick him up before San Antonio snaked them. So they are thinking, we got Josh Primo at a discount, baby. Oh, boy. We have a guard of the future. So what are these Clippers other than the 44 and 38 fifth seed from last year? A very talented, pretty much often injured team facing a bunch of new crackdown rules from the NBA on, you guessed it, what we're calling the Kawhi rule, load management. Kawhi is saying he's healthy. PG is saying he's completely healthy. But with those two, those guys are like the basketball version of the LA Chargers. And I can't tell which one is Keenan Allen and which one is Mike Williams. Who is going to be the Mike Williams of this year's LA Clippers? I don't know. It's like whack-a-mole. One year it's PG. One year it's Kawhi. Then back and forth and back and forth again. Kawhi has never played more than 57 games. Never played more than 57 games in his time in Los Angeles. Paul George has averaged 47 games per season in L.A. as well. Harden, not exactly the uh, guy that you want leading your franchise when you have multiple marquee stars down with an injury. So I don't know how he really helps them. The upside in theory, great. Do you really want to give up Terrence Mann for him? Does it really move the needle for you? Does it? Because it doesn't for me. The Clippers have been skating by on their potential for a very long time. 
and I um I just I just can't believe anymore. I've been I've been hoodwinked. I have been bamboozled for too many years. I've been on the Clippers hype train now for since they got Kawhi since 2019, and I am done. If I have to be super optimistic, like I said, I'm gonna try to put a brave face on. Josh Primo could be very good. Uh, maybe Bones Highland. I saw him throw a behind-the-back pass to Kawhi Leonard in a preseason game tonight, so there's that. Xavier Moon, I watched him be absolutely unguardable in Summer League. I called him trash. I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. I wasn't familiar with your game, Xavier Moon. I wasn't familiar with the fact that you are a mid-range machine. Uh, and so if he's that at the next level, this could get very interesting. Maybe they'll be very fun. Maybe it'll be Josh Primo and Xavier Moon, the backcourt of the L.A. Clippers future. Just in time, those household names, just in time to debut a very new stadium that's very expensive. But mostly, I'll be waiting. I'll be sitting there waiting for the inevitable injuries, which will derail a team that I was sure was going to the finals the past three years. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me, fool me twice, can't get fooled again. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's move forward. Let's move forward to the L.A. Lakers. Win total sitting there at 47 and a half. They re-signed Austin Reeves which was highway robbery. I'm not sure how they were able to sign him at that low of a deal, but he wanted to stay in L.A. to play with LeBron, and I don't blame him. They re-signed D'Angelo Russell to a team-friendly deal. They re-signed Jared Vanderbilt, and they drafted Hood Shafino uh, over there from Indiana. They drafted somebody else who's not as important to this list. They added Gabe Vincent, Christian Wood. Gabe Vincent from Miami, Christian Wood from... The Mavericks, Cam Reddish, who was uh, on a bunch of different teams. I think Portland was his last team. Jackson Hayes uh, and Torian Prince. They lost Mo Bamba. <laughs> and the Lakers, they lay, it's been, woo, it's been a roller coaster of a year. 
They've remade their entire roster over the course of the trade deadline. They took momentum from that move to the Western Conference Finals. They did get swept, but it was competitive all four games. That's like what me as a Portland Trailblazer fan tells myself and others when I talk about how we competed against the Warriors in 2019. So I get it. It's like totally fair. They went from, oh boy, is Rob Plinka the worst GM in the league? To like, wow, he made some fucking money moves. He... I got to give some a little bit of shine to Jesse Buss. I've been told I don't give enough shine to him. So they finished 43-39, and 7th place, won the play-in, balled out before getting into the buzzsaw that was Jokic and Jamal Murray. Jamal NBA, as they call him. Uh, they put an end to a very, uh, we'll call it a quick run, and in emphatic fashion that LeBron James pretended he was going to retire after. That was how bad the demoralization was. He said at the post-game conference, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to play basketball again. That's where we're at. This year, I think they're better. They did lose Lonnie Walker, Tristan Thompson, and like I said, Mobamba. Adding Gabe Vincent, I think, is interesting. Although Miami Heat fans are already saying that Laker fans are going to hate him, so I don't know about that. Cam Reddish was supposed to be the most talented Duke player in the class of Zion uh, and R.J. Barrett, but he just hurt his ankle. He's a lot of upside, and I don't know if he's going to be able to ever live up to that. Pelican center Jackson Hayes has a ton of potential. Very long, very athletic, can do a bunch of different things. Uh, One of those, I would call it modern centers. And Torian Prince, who I love. Torian Prince is a dog. He is going to be an integral part of whatever the Lakers do. And then you add Christian Wood, and they stole him. They stole him. Stole him. Vet minimum. That is some nice depth. Team was very, very thin last year. They only played eight guys in their closeout game against Denver, and only one of them, one of them got six minutes. So the Lakers have an insane amount of length, athleticism, a lot of versatile pieces. If they can get something out of Rui Hachimura, who played really well in the playoffs. By the way, Rui Hachimura worked out with LeBron and Phil Handy, uh, strength and conditioning coach, skills coach for the Lakers. But Phil Handy's been working out with LeBron for a very long time, and what did they do? They tried to teach Rui how to be LeBron James. Woo! Woo! That's exciting. Lakers won 66% of their games after the trade deadline last year. If that carries over to this year, they'll win 54 games. They're going to be able, I think, to hum on all cylinders like they did after the trade deadline last year, except for now there's more depth. So you don't have to worry as much about your star players being healthy the entire season. Of course, you still have to. All of it hinges on Anthony Day-to-Day Davis and LeBron James playing a bunch of games. But Christian Wood, who averaged 18-10 and last year, and Jackson Hayes are very, very serviceable backups who have a ton of potential, a ton of upside. And now they basically have baby LeBron, right? Basically have baby LeBron. This is a very dangerous team. They could very very easily make the Western Conference Finals again. I am bullish, yet hoping for their demise as a Portland Trailblazer fan and obviously a lifelong Dubs fan. Let's move forward. Uh, Phoenix Suns. 54 and a half games is their win total by Vegas. They add Bull Bull. Love Bull Bull from the Orlando Magic. They add Utah Watanabe, a.k.a. Johnny Utah. 
uh, from the Brooklyn Nets. They add Eric Gordon from the Clippers. Ooh, that's a sneaky pickup. Nas Little and Keon Johnson come over in their trade. Grayson Allen comes over from the trade. Yusuf Nurkic comes over from the trade to Portland. And, of course, Bradley Beal has been stolen from the Washington Wizards for, I think, a dirty muffin. A couple second-round picks. They lose Dominating Aton. They lose DeAndre Aton. Um, they lose Campaign, Tumani Kamara, and, of course, Chris Paul. I am very surprised by what the Phoenix Suns have been able to do. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought they were barbecued chicken on a hibachi after the Bradley Beal trade. I was like, ooh, three guards and, like, what? Well, that's, I think, 85% of your salary cap. What are you going to do now? You have, I think they have four guys on their roster at that point. I was like, okay, you guys all need the ball, and you have no depth, and you have no money, so what you about to do? Then they went out and signed a bunch of guys on very low contracts who want to get a ring and love playing with Kevin Durant. They went out and made some judicious trades, and all of a sudden, they got very solid. It's very important because at the top of the roster are some players that get hurt all the time, all the time. So let's start with a, a detailed look at the losses. Three major pieces from the 2021 finals run. Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Campaign, all have taken their talent somewhere else, right? Huge part of what made that team so special. So they had to get some return. The return was massive. Bradley Beal for starters. Bradley Beal, let's be real, he's not a closer He's never going to do shit for you in a fourth quarter, even in January. But I tell you what, when you need some buckets, like midway through the second quarter, Bradley Beal can do that for you. Oh, boy. Bradley Beal was a scoring leader in the NBA a couple of years ago. He is an absolute bucket. A pure sweat guy, true and true. Cannot play defense worth a lick. But I don't know if it matters. I don't know if it matters. He is a bucket. The issue with Beal is the same as the issue with Kevin Durant. Durant hasn't played more than 47 games in three of the last four seasons. Bradley Beal hasn't played a full season since 2018. 57 games, 60 games, 40 games, and 50 games. Maybe you could say he was loafing. Maybe one of those seasons, maybe two. But come on now, not all four. He's been hurt. They traded DeAndre Ayton, who was a number one overall pick, for Yusuf Nurkic, who was discarded from Denver because they had a guy named Jokic. And then he became the primary center for Portland, broke his leg, and it's never been the same really since. Doesn't really play defense. Great guy in the locker room, I hear. I don't know how that helps you win a championship in terms of defending, but hopefully Frank Vogel will figure it out because that's his specialty with big men. They wanted to get rid of the locker room problem. And that was DeAndre Ayton. So they discarded him. And they said, and they sold it to the world that Nurkic was a better fit, even though we know he's not as good. But also, to be fair to new owner Matt Ishbia, they have spent a lot of money and they had to give DeAndre Ayton a max because they had to, they had to pick up uh, that restricted free agency contract when he got offered the max from Indiana. So they said, let's shed some salary cap. And let's get on with our lives. Ishbia and crew have worked overtime to surround a starting five of Nurkic, KD, Okoji, Booker, and Beal with some firepower off the bench. 
They bring in Grayson Allen, a certified pest and a three-point sniper. Eric Gordon, kind of the same. Certified pest, three-point sniper. Utah Watanabe can do so many damn things, but also really good three-point shooter. Nas Little, athletic, can defend. A lot of upside was buried on the bench in Portland. Bull Bull, you've seen him be able to do some things as well from the perimeter. He's one of those unicorn seven-footers. Keon Johnson can jump out of the gym. He's still very young, very raw, but ultimately you need bodies when you have guys who consistently go out with injury. It is shocking. Shocking in some ways because I thought the bench absolutely sucked for Phoenix, and now it might be one of their more strong points. The Suns, like the Lakers and the Clippers, are going to be pretty much a slave to their injured list. If they stay healthy, awesome. If they don't, not so awesome. Red alert. Wee-oo, wee-oo, wee-oo. Bad shit. Um, even if one of the big three has injury issues, it's, it's going to be tough to beat them anyway. You need multiple guys to go down in order for them to be kind of fucked. I do think, though, there's a real shot that the Suns could be if people get injured, a playing team, but that's a bold prediction that we'll talk about another time. The Suns finished fourth last year with a 45-37 and 37 record, but let's be real, there was a huge storm cloud looming over the team because Robert Sarver, their owner, he was removed for all the isms. Misogyny, racism, probably plagiarism, sexism, homoeroticism. I don't know. I don't know all the isms. He got, he got, he got let go. They said you got to sell the team, boy. This is a team to watch, though. Team to watch. And then finally, is it a finally? It is the finally, isn't it? Yes, it's the finally. I can't even get them all straight. There's so many damn good teams on this division. We got to talk about the Sacramento Kings. Their win total, fucking shady, 44 and a half. That is a shady-ass win total. This was a team that was third in the West last year, were they not? They were. Additions, Sasha Vizenkov, EuroLeague MVP, Nerlens Noel, big man, JaVale McGee, big man, Jalen Noel, played really well for the Minnesota Timberwolves as a bench piece, went from a 10-day guy, two-way guy, to a real rotation dude. Jeremy Lamb, I think he's washed, and Chris Duarte, who I think there's a lot of potential around. They lose Rashawn Holmes, but let's be real, Rashawn wanted out of there. They lose Namias Cato, who they didn't have a spot for. They sadly lose Terrence Davis, who's still a free agent, Matthew Dellavedova, and some other scrubs. The Kings, of course, were uh, the, the surprise team last year. They won the Pacific Division. What was it, 44 to 1? That was a nice little ticket. 48 and 34. 48 and 34. They get better this year. And what the fuck does Vegas do? They say, we don't believe. We don't believe. 44 and a half wins we're going to give you. That's some bullshit. Anyway, back to the Kings. They were so much fun to watch. They took the Warriors to the brink. They were a Harrison Barnes open three away from moving on in the playoffs. They do lose a little bit of minor pieces. Nothing too great of importance. Uh, we talked about the losses. Della Vadova's loss as a clubhouse leader, of course, will be felt. Um, but they do add Sasha Vizenkov. First basket in the preseason game. Dribble handoff off the screen from Alex Len. Three, splash. Get used to it. Aaron Fox just did an interview the other day, and he said Vizenkov made 143 out of 150 shots in one drill in practice. The dude... 6'9", beast to guard. Going to take him some time to move up in the rotation, I think. But when he does, 
he has the ability to hit some big shots and big moments. I think a lot of Kings fans, I think a lot of Kings fans are expecting things, hoping things will uh, work out with him. But to me, the thing I like about this Kings team is that they know how to win. Uh, we cannot neglect the fact that Sabonis had a torn ligament in his thumb the entire year. Did not shut it down, did not get surgery. He continued to play. He looks much better already. And I think that's only going to get better so far. Uh, he's very underrated. De'Aaron Fox, very focused on his MVP campaign that he's telling everyone, fuck Team USA, I don't care about them. Uh, Keegan Murray, I think, is going to take another step. He's going to be better following his rookie year. You watched him in the playoffs last year, and he got really good come, like, game three, game four. He made a record NBA number of threes for a first-year player, Malik Monk. Turned into a player that we always hoped he would be. Six man off the bench. Davion Mitchell was strapping Steph in games one and two. He's joined by Chris Duarte and Jalen Noel, which means more defense. One of the weak weak spots in this team last year was a backup center. So what do they do? They add JaVale McGee. Three-time NBA champion for multiple teams. Badly needed experience. And then they add Nerlens Noel, who also has a lot of talent. If those guys contribute... Woo-wee, woo-wee, this is a 50-win team. This is a 50-win team, folks. Maybe even more. Maybe maybe a 52-win team. I think this team could be number one in the West. I do. I think this would be the top team in the Western Conference. A lot of people are saying the Kings are going to take a step back this year. Not me. I'm 10 toes down. I think it's the opposite. This is a 52-54 to 54-win team. And once again, one of the most fun teams to watch in the league. That is it for our division preview. Preseason games have just started, so we'll get into a full overview of what's popping around the league in the next episode, but the big news since the latest episode is that Joel Embiid has declared that he will play for Team USA, which I think is garbage. Not me as the Patriot, but me as an NBA fan. Why? Because that's just too stacked. Put him on Team France, see what they figure out. Is Rudy Gobert going to get kicked off the team? Are they going to try to play the two-center thing? What's going to happen with Victor Wambayama? Or maybe Cameroon. I'd be fine with that too. France, where he has citizenship. There was lots of speculation. Would he play for France? There was a lot of friction. Ooh, Rudy, what do you think? Ooh, oh, Gilbert. Oh, Rudy. Oh, bonjour. Au revoir. And they're like, no, he's coming. So I think it's fascinating. The U.S. needs a center badly. But let's see. If if Joel Embiid isn't healthy in April. You think he's healthy in August? You think he's healthy in August? I don't know, dog. Maybe if he gets bounced in early April, uh, then he will be because he'll have four months to prepare. He will be a big boost to the U.S. uh, if they want to get the gold next year, which I'm sure they do. As for the rest of the league, it's chirp, chirp, quiet, quiet. Nothing new on the Harden front. Somehow Peyton Pritchard, who was asking for a trade, gets a fucking extension. Four years, $30 million. They're like, he's like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I want out, I want out, I want out. And they're like, hey, how about uh, $7.5 a year? And he's like, okay, sign on the dotted line. Evan Fournier is still pissed that the Knicks haven't traded him, so they'll probably give him an extension, right? Uh, and sniper Reggie Bullock signed a one-year deal in Houston. For what reason? Who knows? But with the preseason underway, shit's going to change in a heartbeat. Up next, finally, special edition. We have a very informative interview with Bill Ryder, host of the CBS Sports show, Ryder Than You, and longtime NBA writer, uh, Bill joined me and my co-host Ryan Horvat and Nick Ashew on our show, BetMGM Tonight. He gave a nice overview of what's popping around the league, so let's get into it. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We have Bill. I don't want to make Bill Ryder wait anymore. CBS agrees, Sports though. NBA insider, writer than you, CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, if you're mad that the, if you watched the <laughs> show and you hated the way that it ended, feel free to jump that in, Bill. But let's start with also James Harden, who is uh, with the Sixers in camp, and Joel Embiid says he's not a distraction. Of course he's going to say that. What do we make of this situation, and where do you see this actually going? The same thing I make of, I guess, where Showtime is. I wish it would just, he would just go away. <laughs> I wish there was a way just to cancel his appearance in the NBA. Look, so, so you're right. He is going to make life as miserable as he can for that organization. He's already done this. We know this. He called Daryl Morey a liar over the summer. But just talking to folks in that Philly organization, maybe their words are, 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 are tougher than their actual fortitude, but they say they're going to just make him play. They're going to wait for the price to go up. They take some strength and some some, um, some, some, you know, the, a sense of uh, optimism from what went down with Lillard, even though that wasn't as ugly. So I think that Harden's going to be out of shape and miserable, and I think Daryl Moore and the Sixers are going to say politely, to hell with you, we're not trading you until we get what we want. Wow, yeah, it's going to be a saga, Bill, absolutely. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on the Bucks. Obviously, they add Damian Lillard. This is going to be a really explosive pick-and-roll type offense, but what concerns me is that now Chris Middleton, again, not healthy, held out of practice, uh, new coach Adrian Griffin being very shady about what Chris Middleton is even dealing with. How do you feel about this team if they don't have an entirely healthy Middleton for the entire year, or maybe if he never returns to what he was when he was in his prime? I mean, look, we are in an era, we know this, where you can have a big two and get it done, but they need Chris Middleton. And one executive, and a guy who was a longtime former scout who worked his way up, made the point to me that, yes, as you noted, they are amazing offensively. Damian Lillard is a huge addition. It takes a ton of pressure on the offensive side off of, off of Giannis, and the pick-and-roll game could be amazing. But that backcourt, defensively now, is not very good at the point this executive made. So you've got to make that up with more offense. It's a similar model to what Boston's doing, leaning offensively. I think you need Middleton to be in the mix, at least in the postseason, given how good the Celtics are. And I think still how many landmines there are in the Eastern Conference from other teams. What are your thoughts on Drew Holiday and his fit with Boston? I mean, kind of taking over, obviously, the Marcus Smart role where he's you know, an on-ball defender. But uh, what are your thoughts on Boston coming into the season? Because I feel like in the East, it's really just Boston and Milwaukee right now. Yeah, I like Drew Holiday. Like, it's a great question. Like, Drew Holiday in a vacuum, I, I love it. And so Marcus Smart, basically, leader, respected guy, but did not get along. This is pretty clear from the press conferences, but did not get along with Joe Mazzulli. It wasn't a good fit. The perspective in Boston is you get a bit of an upgrade from in, in Drew Holiday offensively. He's still great defensively. He's also well-respected. Guys around the league love him. But he's known to be easy to work with for coaches, right? He's not going to undermine you. There's a different kind of edge. It comes out on the floor not in the locker room. 
So for Holiday as a player, and frankly as a guy who's going to make life a little easier on a, on a head coach who's under a lot of pressure, I love it. I think it's really interesting to see what Porzingis can be and what he can do and whether or not some of the players who were, who were moved out, who are defensive-focused guys, whether that's going to hurt the Celtics as it relates to what they want to do. But we know Missoula is much more offensively inclined than Ime Odoka. He leans that way. So I love the Holiday move. I love the Celtics. But it's going to be really interesting how these pieces fit because this is a team that's made a Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals the last two years. They obviously made the Finals a couple years ago, and it's very they, they've retooled this, this basketball team pretty aggressively. Yeah, Bill, it's not like the Celtics haven't been in this position before. They're the co-favorites at BetMGM to win the title 4-1 to along with the Bucks, And then you got the Nuggets, the defending champs at plus 550. Where do you, odds aside for this, where do you stack the Nuggets up right now with some of these other teams like the Celtics and Bucks, and then the Suns, all of who have had a, you know, pretty active off-seasons? So Denver is a known quantity, and they've got one of the two or three best players in the game. He's probably the best player in the game, but every year it changes. I voted for Jokic for MVP. I think they're the best team of those three that you noted because of what we know. I think it's likely that in Boston or in Milwaukee, and maybe in both, I don't know, it's going to work really well, and they're going to actually be a little bit higher level. They obviously have to face them in the finals for that to matter in the playoffs. I love Denver, and I think there's a lot of question marks in the Western Conference that makes their road easier. I'm not as high on Phoenix as other people. I know they got some depth in that trade. John Morant's going to miss a huge chunk of the season. What is Memphis going to be? Your third best player here in L.A. with the Lakers is Austin Reeves. Not that that's the end of the world, but I'm not sure that, that it's a guarantee. And Anthony Davis, Anthony Humpty Dumpty Davis, I know he wants to play 82 games. I love it if the guy played 72 games. LeBron's amazing, but he's 105 years old. So you just sort of you go to the Western Conference, there are potential challengers, but at least on paper – Nobody, to me, is as sure a thing as the Denver Nuggets. I'm curious your thoughts uh, on the Dallas Mavericks because I had a healthy debate with a friend of mine earlier today because he, for whatever reason, thinks that Grant Williams uh, and Derek Lively are going to move the needle in terms of just the overall defense, which was terrible last year. Like, What's your thoughts overall on, on what this Dallas Mavericks team is going to be this year? Have you guys seen that gif where there's a dumpster on fire floating down a swollen river? Yeah. That's my perspective on the Dallas Mavericks. Um, and really my perspective on any team that, that has Kyrie Irving. I, I, there is massive, massive, massive concern and worry that they are not going to capitalize on Luka Doncic's window. And while Luka hasn't made any suggestions he wants to leave Dallas, we saw this year, I think the moves that are going around the Eastern Conference and what's happening right now with forcing Harden to stay in Philly – it's all about the fear that Giannis will be the guy that won't stay or Embiid will be the guy that gets unhappy and doesn't stay. And you talk to GMs around the NBA, there, there's a hope, right, if you're not a, the Dallas GM, that in a year or two, Doncic is going to be the guy who doesn't want to be there. And so I think Dallas has massive pressure without a roster that can make good on it. I, I'm not a big Kyrie Irving guy, so maybe I'm swinging and missing on a level of greatness he brings to the table that I'm so, somehow not seeing. But the moves they, they've made, the team they have, the roster they have, I don't think it's very impressive. I know Doncic is amazing. You guys know Doncic is amazing. The guy's an incredible player, but he's not on a team that I think is going to live up to anything remotely resembling even conference championship appearances, let alone the finals. I think they're in trouble. Bill, with the uh, Heat missing out on the uh, Damian Lillard and missing out on the sweepstakes for Dame Lillard, they're still minus 190 to win the Southeast. I was just like trying to make the case for any of these other teams, you know, from a betting standpoint. And you have the Hawks plus 220. I don't know if I fully trust them. I like the Magic. I just don't know if they're still a year away. They're 8 to 1. And then the Hornets and the Wizards. Could you make the case for any other team in the Southeast uh, other than Miami yeah, what, this season? What's the number on Atlanta? Like, I think. So, so, plus 220. I mean, yeah, I think Atlanta's interesting if you're feeling like you have a little gamble, right? Because it's probably Miami. We know how consistent they are. 
it's not just that they didn't get Lillard in terms of their championship hopes. It's how much better everybody that they compete yeah. with, really Boston and, and, and Milwaukee got. And they lost other pieces that are important, but that is, that is a very weak group of teams. That said, Quinn Snyder is extremely well-respected. It sounds like Trey Young wants to do the things he needs to do for Quinn in that organization. I wasn't. I think that place is a mess in terms of their political dynamics with their front office. But Quinn's a really good coach. He's now going to have obviously an entire training camp came in late last year. Very weird situation. So there's going to be a surprise, and maybe if the Heat trail off a little bit, or there's injuries, or Emo Jimmy so emotionally can't get out there that haircut and play. For me, Atlanta would be the other team. Bill, if people are looking at maybe the possibility of finding an edge in like the the win totals market right now, the Toronto Raptors are a team that's been thrown around for it feels like the last couple of years as maybe potential sellers, and then what maybe there maybe there's some extensions for some guys, or maybe they're going to trade. Nobody seems to know what they're going to do. Do you think that this is a team that finally, let's say, even just come trade deadline, they finally start selling that team off, or are they still committed to actually winning with essentially the roster that they have? Yeah, I, I think it's a really good, I think it's a really good question, a really good point. I think that it depends how things go, and they believe that their roster is good enough to at least compete in the second tier in the East, right? Somewhere to four to six to seven to, to try and avoid that play in. I'm not sure how realistic that is, and I do think that if the wheels come off, if things go badly, if they're not in the mix, they very well could be sellers, and you can move on from most of those guys and and see that team basically go into bringing assets. Do what Portland's doing. Do to a degree what the Thunder did. Lose a bunch of games. Focus on draft picks. So, depending where the total is for, like, what's their win total right now? Like forty-two? I don't even know. I think it's lower than that, isn't it? Do you guys know? It's not. BetMGM doesn't have it in front of us right now, but I want to say it's actually like, I think it's under that. Um, yeah. Is it, I mean, I guess it depends what it is. But I would either for me, like I used to bet win totals all the time. Yeah. I would either pass on it or, or, or go under. Because I do think they're not going to be 36 very good. Thirty-six and a half. Thirty-six and a half. Wow, that's so yeah, it's low. low. I, I mean, yeah. Vegas thinks they're going to sell them, right? Like that yep. seems really low to me for that roster. I'm curious. I wanted to follow up with you on the Raptors because it just feels like they're a mess, Bill. I'm not sure. Masai was known as one of the better GMs in the league, and now it feels like his reputation is in shambles. Uh, and they're letting players walk for almost nothing. He's bringing up petty things like the lawsuit instead of addressing you know, what's going on with Pascal. And he, they're, he's calling his whole team selfish and that they're not making the right decisions. Is, is it just me, or is that organization kind of toxic right now? Yeah, it, it, they're not in a good place. And look, I think Masai is really imp- – th- people th- that are smarter than I am about the NBA are impressed by the guy. But Pat Riley talked about the disease of more, right? You win something, you start to really believe in yourself, you start to buy the headlines. They won an NBA championship. It's been a minute now. It was very impressive, but obviously they brought in Kawhi Leonard. It was a crazy spark. There were multiple injuries that were significant in that series against the Warriors that got him there. I'm not taking anything away. They had a, a crazy bounce – against Philly, and I think that there's just a chance that Masai doesn't understand that they got lucky and that there were some things that need to be retooled, especially when Kawhi moved on. To answer your question, yeah, they're, they're absolutely toxic. It is a miserable place, and this is part of the debate about what, where you bet on, on their win total. He thinks they're good enough in, on paper and that these guys aren't living up to expectations, and in that locker room, they think that he's delusional strong but he is overestimating the roster that he's put together. Bobby Webster said, uh, Bill, that they offered the most that they've ever offered for a player for Damian Lillard. Do you know what that deal was? I don't know. The Lillard thing, I mean, no, I don't. And I have trouble believing that because I I, I, I can tell you this. From the Portland side, it wasn't 
personal with the Miami Heat. It really wasn't about wanting to screw over Pat Riley. They wanted the most they could get, and they thought it was Milwaukee. And some of that calculation is that they think those Milwaukee, it's one pick and it's two pick swaps, 28, 30 pick swaps, 29 first-round pick. They don't think Giannis is going to be there, regardless of what happens with Lillard in the next year or two, and that the Bucks are going to be an utter and total disaster, and that those picks are very potentially extremely valuable. And whatever happens in Toronto, it's just a more desirable market than it used to be because there's a lot of guys who are international players that we know in the NBA who will play there. So I don't know. I don't know what Toronto offered, but I do know that Portland thinks that what they got from Milwaukee and what they're still getting, because they're going to move on from Malcolm Brogdon, and obviously they traded Drew Holiday, they think that return is by far the best that was offered. What do you think ends up happening this year with the, uh, not even so much this year, like the future of the Kings? I really like the Kings, and I'm looking at the Pacific Division. They're 8-1, yeah. to one, and it's just like with the Suns and the Lakers, they're old. I feel like their goal is obviously to win the championship, and I still think they're going to use load management. You can throw the Warriors in there, too, and the Clippers. What do you think about the Kings 8-1 to one to win the Pacific? I think they're going to be a tough regular season team. I love the kids. Funny, I did when I was talking to you guys about sort of where does Denver rank. I was trying to like, who am I trying? Who am I forgetting? I'm muscle memory to never take the Sacramento Kings ser- seriously. It's like a part of my basketball DNA. <laughs> but that that's changed. I mean, that's a that's a really tough team. It's a really good team. They're really young. They're well coached. They finally, we think, have a front office for the first time in a generation that's well run. And you're right. I think their window, or they think their window for really competing, is probably not this season, but the season after. But we've seen teams, and the Warriors are one of those teams, make really big leaps that, that are earlier than people expected. So, yes, I, I think that's entirely possible. I have a soft spot in my heart for Golden State, largely because I, I love Steph Curry, class act, amazing player. But they're old. I don't know that I believe Chris Paul is going to work and forget whether he starts. I don't know if he finishes, which is what really matters. Yeah. We know Bob Myers is gone. Steve Kerr has become, you talk to beat writers and folks there, a little more – He's a nice guy, but a little more frustrated, maybe a little more burned out in a long-term sense. I do think there's some vulnerabilities, and I think the Kings are the kind of team, if things click, because they have so many young guys, and young guys tend to make big leaps in years two and three and sometimes four, the Kings are poised potentially to be one of those teams that make a pretty big leap this year. Yeah, it's probably a culture shock for Steve Kerr because he's used to just dominating the NBA, and all of a sudden now he's looking around going, damn it, we're not who we used to be anymore. Bill Ryder, CBS Sports. Always good to talk to you, man. Thanks for coming on. That's all the time that we have for this episode of The Heat Check. Many thanks to Bill Ryder and my crew on BetMGM tonight. Come back later this week for an all-new episode and check out the feed for past interviews and past episodes, which drop unexpectedly. We're going to be doing an interview uh, with someone from the Mavs, Beat. Give a little update on what's happening with them. Follow The Heat Check as we head into a new NBA season. Do not forget to download, subscribe, and tell your friends, every single one of them, and follow us on social at This Heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. See you next time.